creator, saviour. You spoke the word, it had to be, for you're the God of creativity. Before the sun, you called forth light. The earth then knew both day and night. Then with a word, produced such things as trees and flowers, birds with wings, fish in the sea, cows, butterflies, a myriad creatures there besides. From the ground formed one like me, no stringed puppet, but created free, free to worship, free to hate, to ignore or to you relate. A rib was taken from his side, formed as a helper, a wife, a bride. A season then of joy and bliss, along came one to spoil all this. A fallen angel with cunning guile did these two in sin embroil, hiding, ashamed of nakedness, their tragic deed had to confess. Removed, expelled from garden scene, and from that day, the world has been a place of lies, murder and of war. We'll do our own thing, God ignore. Yet you, O Lord, look from above, a God of mercy, grace and love, devised a way to set men free, be saved from sin, become family. Your righteous son sent to this place, hung on the cross, took our disgrace. He is the word and he is the light. He calls us out from sin's dark night. Can I now ask um, Jane and Peter for our readings and then we'll hear from Simon. find the uh, first reading at the very beginning of your Bibles. <laughs> so, very beginning of the Bible, Genesis chapter 1, and we read verses 1 to 5 and then verse 31. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night, and there was evening and there was morning, the first day. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. This is the word of the Lord. The 
The second reading is from the Gospel of John, chapter 17. This is found on page 1085. John, chapter 17, beginning at verse 13. I am coming to you now, but I say these things while I am still in the world, so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify you myself, that they may, too may be truly sanctified. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, Though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. This is the word of the Lord. Morning all. <clears throat> Let's pray. <clears throat> Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you that you are a God who longs to communicate with us in all kinds of different ways. And as we open your word, open our, each one of us now, we pray, that you may come down, come in, come among us, and be seen. For we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I've had a cold this week, so my head's been fuzzy and a bit, you know, foggy, but anyway, we'll, we'll try. While I was lying on the sofa with Lemsip, suddenly that awful music of the one show started. It's so loud, I don't know if you watched the one show, it's very loud, anyway. So it woke me up a bit. And then um, halfway through, there was a picture of Ely Cathedral was on the screen. And I suddenly zoned in to what this program was telling me. 
because it was all about communication through the divine, they said. I thought, oh, my sermon, communication through the divine. I've got an illustration. Because for over the next weeks, we've decided in our wisdom, Esther and I, to explore the ways in which we communicate with one another in today's amazing world that you and I live in. And how we might use the modern technology that some of us are aware of, some of us are aware of it with great fear and trepidation, and some just haven't even opened the box yet. But how we might do this in really embracing how the world now has changed, to be honest, in the way it communicates, and to see how the gospel can integrate with this. As we heard even from Marianne with AWM, how the internet has opened up a whole way in which Muslims now particularly can communicate and hear about the good news of Christ. And just in our daily lives, some of us in using the internet, either at work, at home, with family, with friends, whatever, how are we using that? And throughout this time, there's going to be people much younger than me who will be speaking about how we can use this effectively as a tool as part of our Christian witness, in the way we worship a God who longs to communicate. How can we be relevant in the world that is today a very modern world and keep communicating the truth of Christ? What I went on to discover from the one show was that Ely Cathedral was being used as a beacon. A beacon not, as it were, for Christ, as the people flood in and flood out and spread out into the world with the light and joy of Christ, but it's got an internet mask now on the top of it. So that the internet can be thrust out into the villages, which are very rural, because they're villages in rural situation. <laughs> it's been a foggy week. Look at Jane looking at me. Anyway, anyway. Um, to speed up the broadband, in their areas, because it's very slow. And broadband in these areas is quite important. Anne's mother shops on the internet, and it means that somebody comes into her home with food, which is great, isn't it? There are good things that happen through the internet. So this ancient building that's been there for centuries is now being used for a very modern purpose in a very modern world. And the internet, really, was not even around when I was a child. Can you believe it? I remember working at the Savoy and taking a huge brick to someone's phone for the first time in about 1982 or something like that um, to say, oh, there's a phone call for you. <laughs> it was huge. And it had a little battery, well, quite a big battery, actually. And that was modern. I was so amazed. And then I remember standing in reception, and somebody was sending me a message from New York. And they were at one end of the machine, and it went under the ocean, and the message came up to me on a fax machine, and it was, we all stood around in awe and wonder. You know, we thought it was the written word of God almost, but anyway, it was just an exciting phase, but it's changed actually. And thanks to the increasing accessibility of the internet, the popularity of the web has exploded literally over the last 10 years. And the web is now used for a number of different kinds of purposes, including, as I've said, online shopping, social networking, games, news, travel information, business, advertising, and so, so, so much more. And there are now social networking sites such as Facebook, here we are, Google, uh, Twitter. They've all become popular over the last few years. I'm sounding as I know what these really are, but we will do by the end of this series. And people now spend a lot of amount of their time keeping in touch with communities, including our church. Because, you know, 
not everybody comes to church every week anymore. They may have done in Kay's day, I don't know, twice, twice on Sundays. But sometimes people can't get here. But we can still connect with one another. Even home groups. Home groups can have Facebook pages. It's amazing. We keep in touch as a home group via email brilliantly. It's wonderful. Anyway. Um, but we do keep in touch. And the internet has accrued 50 million users in just five years. That's a lot of people using the internet. And a surfing session, that is not something down in Croyd Bay in Devon, that's where you go on the internet and you look for various things. People are spending an average of an hour a day surfing. It's exactly 51 minutes. How people know this, I don't know. But we're all spending 51 minutes on the internet surfing. And people who use social networking sites such as Facebook and Twitter will use 10% of their entire life online. 10% of your entire life will be spent online. And because of this, how we use it has been quite important. And security and privacy concerns have been quite a problem recently in all kinds of ways in which people put things on the net that actually reveal confidential information, all kinds of things. And there can be a scary world. And people can be unaware of the potential risks when putting up confidential data or using passwords and all sorts of things. There are viruses that you can get, not just in your body, but actually on your computer. And that's really quite serious. 19% of married couples now meet online making it the most successful method for meeting the special one. Following an online introduction, the most successful methods for meeting a future wife and husband continue to be through work and friends. That's 17% get married through that. 19% now meet on online. I have done three internet weddings, not internet weddings, but people who've met online, uh, and it's been wonderful. But alongside this in it being a way of... Uh, helping relationships grow, and we do keep in touch with one another. We really do. I mean, without Skype, Paul, uh, our son in Singapore, it's, it's a long time to wait sometimes for phone calls and letters, but it's a different way of communicating. But sadly, there are other ways in which 4.2 million pornography websites are poured into our homes. 4.2 million. It's becoming a massive issue for youth and children. There are 116 daily requests globally for child pornography. So it's, a, it's an interesting world that is opening up in this wonderful tool we have of social media, the internet, etc. And one of the most common ways now that we find information is not, go, not going to cyclopedia, you know, the cyclopedias. We go to Google. We search Google. And it's received hundreds of millions, hundreds of millions of searches every day are done on Google, where we simply find out something that we need to find out. So it is a useful tool. But what I'm trying to get across here to our church community is the world has changed in the way we communicate, and it's a very modern world that we live in. And so lying on the sofa, looking at Ely Cathedral, who is now a beacon of the internet blasting out over the whole of that area, what on earth does John 17 have to do with the modern world that we live in? How on earth can we relate to what's going on around us? And what we see in John is how Jesus himself viewed the world. And from our passage today, 
in John 17, I'm going to focus on for the moment, Jesus is making it clear that the use of the word world, world here, as we'd use the world wide web, means that the human race is divided between the world, as Jesus is describing, the world, and those who belong to God. I have revealed you to those whom you gave me out of the world. Verse 6. They were yours. You gave them to me, and they have obeyed your word. Now they know that everything you have given me comes from you, for I gave them the words you gave me, and they accepted those words. They knew with certainty, these are the disciples, that I came from you, and they believed you sent me. I pray for them. I am not praying for the world, interestingly, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. Another theme in John, obviously, is light and darkness that's picked up even by Star Wars, where there is the dark side of the force or the good side, the light side. And as we read in Genesis, there was darkness and there was chaos before the Spirit of God hovered over the earth, or as a primary school child once said, hoovered the earth. And then we get these awesome words in the beginning of Genesis. Let there be light. Let there be light. And the Hebrew helps us understand that this statement, we might think of light as when we go into a dark room, we switch on a light, and the sun comes out as it is now. But it actually means, let there be a revelation of me, God is saying. Let something of me be seen. Something of who I am. Something of my nature. Let something be created that reflects my glory. And in verse 6 of chapter 17, Jesus says, I've revealed your name. And the word name there means I've revealed something of your character. I've revealed something of who you are. And Jesus has revealed God and what he's like. And because of this, we are able now to relate to God. We can communicate with him. We worship a God who longs to communicate. And we live in a world that is finding new ways of communicating. But the beginning of it is with God, who wants to speak in all manner of ways, from Hebrews. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, and through whom also he made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his being. The exact representation of his being. He's the stamp of God upon the world. So when Jesus says, I've revealed your name, Jesus is saying, I've revealed God to you. I've come in flesh that God may communicate with you and you might communicate with God. The Word made flesh that we've just celebrated, the revelation of God made flesh dwelling among us. But before he leaves this earth, Jesus prays. Before he's about to go to the cross and to death, he prays to his Father. And he prays three things for us, really, that I'm going to focus on. And I just want to take these into the context a bit of what we are then looking at our technological world. 
He prays that we may be safe. Jesus prays for you in the world, remembering that the world means those who are going against God, who are not with God, not following his ways, that you may be safe, that you may be sanctified. But this is interesting. He says, too, that you must be sent. He's sending them into the world, the world that is in rebellion against God. Safe. Every so often, a software message comes up on my computer screen. I have no idea what to do with it. It's saying I need to update or renew my security software, a program that protects me, well, protects my computer from any virus. It's like going to the doctors and getting a flu jab, which hopefully will work. So we need to keep our computers protected and up to date with virus protection. Otherwise, computers could get very sick. Look at you. Some of you have had very sick computers, haven't you? It's so frustrating when your computer doesn't respond in the way you think because it's got a virus, because you've not protected it. And Jesus prays that we might be kept safe, that we might be protected. They, he says in verse 11, are staying in the world. We're in the world. We're not taken out of the world. We have to live in this world. We have to live in this new technological world. But he says, Father, protect them by the power of your name. While I was with them, in verse 12, I kept them safe by the name you gave me. The trouble often with modern adventure films is that whatever happens to the hero or the heroine, we know they're going to live. We know they're going to live because they're the hero, because they're the heroine. Chris Pine in Star Trek, I won't mention Harrison Ford, those who've seen the film, anyway. Angelina Jolie, Tomb Raider, she survives amazingly well. The hero is safe. But are we safe? What does safe mean to you? Here on earth, any happiness, any contentment that you may grasp or glimpse, perhaps sometimes fleetingly, it can seem very fragile. And things like that can seem really under threat. And some people can live in real anxiety that it's all going to go wrong and we're all so unsafe. And there are forces at work in my life and in your life that are unfriendly forces and do horrible things like viruses attacking computers. Something's going to get us. We're going to get that cold because we've been surrounded by three people who have colds. We're going to get ill. We're going to lose our job. There are so many things that can threaten us each day. And it's an interesting question to ask. Are you safe? Are you safe? And perhaps you'd reply this morning that you are not safe. And experience has taught you you are not safe. But as Jesus prays here, who himself is about to go into a very unsafe place, we see that for followers of Jesus, there is an answer. That they are safe in a world in which they do not belong. They are safe in a world in which they do not belong. 
I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world. And I am coming to you, Jesus says. Jesus is going back to his father after going to the cross, but he will leave behind those who belong to him. And because the disciples and us are not of the world, but we are still in it, we too, like Jesus, are going to encounter, Jesus encounters on the cross, the horror, the hate, the pain, the suffering of the world. We too find ourselves in a hostile environment, like having our computers attacked, our bank accounts emptied, or a virus or hackers coming in. Even the BBC was hacked and went down. But we, we are safe because we are protected by the name of Christ in this modern world. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me so that they may be one as we are one. And the word here is name, as we've said, means the revelation of God's character. I revealed your name and your nature. Because the nature and the name of God has been revealed in Christ, we have relationship with God through Jesus Christ. We are able to have that relationship, yes, through Christ's sacrifice, but also because we know who Jesus is. Our faith isn't just about connecting to God as we may connect our computers to the internet. It's just a cable we plug in. It is a deep knowing. It is a deep truth that God himself has connected with us. And Jesus has revealed God and what he's like. He's revealed his name and he has made a new connection, a deep connection with you and with me. And this revelation, this connection brings two things. It brings unity with God and with one another. And we feel that in the body of Christ. We feel connected sometimes. We feel we belong. When we come here, there's a great sense in Walcott. Sorry if you're new here, but for those who've been here a while, there is a deep place to belong and welcome. And there is also, we read in verse 13, joy. The joy of knowing we are in relationship with God and can have relationship with God. The joy of knowing that we are safe. And Jesus is praying for you to be kept safe. And you may need to hear that this morning. You may need to hear that for you and for other people you know and love, that Jesus prays you are safe. But however, in verses 15 and 16, my prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. And Jesus prays that we are not taken out of the world. And sometimes I pray, oh Lord, just take me out of the world because it's such a mess and it's such chaos. But Jesus prays that we are protected in it from the evil one. Because in this world there are forces that are actively against God. The daily struggle that many of us have, I was meeting somebody this week where this became very real, as we were hearing about the attack that Jenny and uh, Mike feel sometimes in Africa, that you will feel this constant struggle between good and evil. And we can so often compromise with the world and we can go along with it and we forget the battle that we are actually engaged in. 
And I'm in danger in the world of forgetting that Christ died. He died that I may be transformed, that I may be changed. And in that, I'm going to be different because I am not of the world. The world we remember means those who are actively going against God. So because I've chosen to make this connection with God through his son, Jesus Christ, who has poured his Holy Spirit into me, poured the love of God into me, something is going to happen. Something is going to happen that's going to be different. And though it's going to bring a sense of great unity and belonging to me with God and with all those who believe in Jesus Christ too, and it will bring great joy because of the security and the purpose and meaning that brings into my life, it is going to be difficult in the world because the world's going to hate you. And all the power of the created one, of God our Father, who brought creation into being as we heard read from Jane, is now available to keep us from evil, Jesus is praying. And yet we struggle between being in the world, one of those who reject God. And it's not just the big moral choices we have to face of, do we sleep with someone outside marriage? Do I take those funds from the charity and put them into my own account? But also in the little decisions that we have to make about what we click on, what we write on our Facebook page, what we send in an email. And so often our use of computers and social media can highlight for many the true substance of our faith in Christ and how that is revealed in how having had the communication with God, we then communicate with other people. I have known people who have been so hurt through what has been written to them in an email. Really vicious, really vindictive, and these are Christian people. And they don't use punctuation or capital letters. And for some people, that's an abomination. But anyway, because it's so easy to type our anger and frustration out, we forget about the unity and the joy. And we forget about our, our life in Christ, who is praying that we may be safe, safe from this world in the way it does things, in the way it lives. And even in the privacy of our own homes and computers, our tablets, our iPhones, our smartphones, and so on, we will find this struggle daily, and especially, as I've said, for our youth and our children, and how are we as a church helping our children and youth learn to navigate this complex world where they are one click away from some of the most horrific images in how people can treat each other and call it love. Jesus prays that all the power of God is available to keep us safe from evil. I am safe, I am protected. Once that I know that I can trust and believe there is a God and believe that I belong to him now in this world and that one day I will go to be with him because Jesus is praying that we may come to where he is. And I believe he is the one who gives my life meaning and purpose, not the World Wide Web. And do we, believe that this, do we believe this this morning? If we do, then let's live today as if we do not belong to today. And Jesus prays for you to be kept safe because we live in a world that rejects God. So be encouraged today, flock of Walcott. Jesus is praying for you to be kept safe in the world the world meaning 
those who are actively rebelling against God. Then we're sanctified. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word, God, is truth. It's interesting, isn't it? God's word is truth. And as you sent me into the world, I've sent them into the world. For them, I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. Sanctified means to make holy, set apart, consecrated. Jesus consecrated himself, dedicated himself, set himself apart as the sinless one to take upon himself the price and to pay that price, the cost, pay the cost of our human sin for us all. And so because of that, we too now can be committed, dedicated, set apart, consecrated to telling others about this work that Christ has done already, that we are saved by grace. That is part of what we are set apart to do as the church. That is what you are set apart to do where you work, where you spend your time, who you connect with online. How will they know that you are sanctified, that you have been set apart by Christ because he prayed for you and for me to be set apart? to reveal the name of Christ, the power of Christ, to forgive people their sins. It can also mean purified, purified. Our dishwasher broke down before Christmas. Horror. We had to do it by hand. And when you wash up, you suddenly find the person next to you with a tea towel becomes quality control chief. And you suddenly find a fork suddenly thrown back into the sink. And you could say, well, just leave it. Don't worry. Don't worry. Just leave that fork. It doesn't really matter. The reason it matters that there is a quality control person with a tea towel there is because it's being cleaned for a purpose. You may not fancy getting the fork that hasn't been cleaned properly with all the bits of food left over that's been in someone's mouth and is now dried on over a few hours, you know, and it's moist. And it's, you know, it could be quite nice, actually, added protein, but anyway. It's cleansed for a purpose. It's cleansed for use. And God desires us to be sanctified, not so that we can be put on display as a shining fork. He wants to sanctify us so that we can be used used by him. We are to be separated from the world so that we can be used in service for the world, in making him known. And God's purpose here in this prayer that Jesus is praying is that his people should be holy, sanctified, not set apart as something distant and on display, which Christians are very good at at times. We can look very holy. We can sound incredibly holy. But God wants his people to be holy, set apart, distinct, different, so that we reflect him. Reflect him in our daily lives, in the jobs that you do, in the finances that you manage, in your relationships, in your attitudes, and yes, in the way we do use social media and communication. The world needs us to be different. But that is so hard at times for us. 
What struck powerfully non-Christians in the early church was how different they were. Not simply because they had been saved by Christ, but because of the effect that saving power of Christ had upon them in the way they treated one another. See how these Christians love one another. See how this person who was poor one day suddenly has been taken into this whole new network called Christianity. There was no Facebook in those days, but people communicated still in the way they treated one another and how they saw a brother or sister in need who were part of the unity and the joy. How could we deny them something they need? And it made a difference economically, socially. People cared. They didn't just say, I'll pray for you, that's fine. They did something about it. And that's how Christianity spread too. In the cities, in the towns, in the village. They devoted themselves to God and to one another. Communication in the people of God was visible as God himself became visible. He still does in the way people will see you treat one another. You know, I know somebody who saw somebody bring food to somebody who had a new baby from the church. It didn't just happen one day, it happened all week. And then someone brought a cake round to somebody and they didn't know why. And then the person said, oh, I'm part of a church and they've looked after me. That then led that person to come and find out. That's part of the communication. It wasn't through a computer, unfortunately, though it may have been by the emails of the rotors that were going around saying, who's bringing them today? But it all connects to give a visible witness and message that the unity and joy that has come into my life because Jesus prayed for that in wanting me to be safe, in wanting me to be sanctified, to be set apart, that makes a difference. And although we as a church at the moment in the media are struggling in that we seem to be making horrific differences or seen in a bad light, we actually are doing a hugely good job in the life where you work, in the schools you teach in, in the communities you are living in. Because you have the joy and the unity, the sanctification, as it were, and the safety that you know in Christ, it's going to make a difference. It really, really does make a difference. And it makes a difference even in the little ways. And people love to see little ways in which we can show. What I love about this is that people could shut down completely and say, I'm never going to have a computer. I'm never going to have an iPhone. I'm never going to have a mobile phone. I'm going to reject all that. Jesus does not say that. He sends them into the world. As you sent me into the world, I've sent them into the world. It's possible for the Christian to be in the world without being sent into it. We are here with a mission. And the mission is to be salt and light. They are active ingredients in the world, as I've been talking about. And it's easy to be just in the world and not distinguishable from it. We all could look the same. And so we have to steer this course really carefully through the world where we are both sanctified, not for being put on display how wonderful I am, but because I'm going to be used. Remember the fork. May the fork be with you this week. 
But you can't just be sanctified. The salt has to leave the cellar. The light literally has to go out. And so we do that. And we are sent into a world that doesn't want salt and doesn't really want light because the light shows up things. So we must be distinct, but we must be present. We mustn't retreat and run away, even from social media. We are active and we are moving in the world as salt flavors, as light brings hope, growth, warmth, all kinds of things. And following Christ is not passive resistance to evil or compromise, but active, active ingredient we are to help bring change into this world. Be that through AWM, be it through Send a Cow, be it through CHIT, be it through where you work in a school, be it through your neighbors, be it through the cafe, be it through wherever. We are sent into the world. And one of the beautiful things of the Walcott is the world that we have found coming in through the cafe, through events, through our school, through Snow Hill, through all the mixing that is going on in this place now, where the doors are open, the lights are on, and the welcome is warm. Not too warm this morning, I feel, but I've got a cold anyway. And this is exactly what Jesus did. And this is exactly what Jesus is going to do through you and through me, because we are following him. So we are safe, we are sanctified, set apart for a purpose to be used, not just on display. And we are being sent. And how will this take effect? How will this safety that you have in Christ, this sanctification and this being sent, how will it affect you tomorrow at your workplace when you send an email later? when you contact somebody? How will people see that you are with them? But how will they see there is something different about how you live, how you send emails? Keith always sends Rittler, rejoice in the Lord always, at the end of every email. He forgot it once, but then sent it again because he'd forgotten it. <laughs> One little way, what on earth does that mean? The people in the council offices might say. But how will the difference be felt? How will they be drawn to you? Either to reject you, because that may happen, I'm afraid, or by questioning you. Questioning why you do things differently. It is a hard course to navigate in a modern world, but one that the Spirit of God and God's Word will help us steer through as we seek to communicate in the world the truth and grace of Christ. But above all, I want you to remember today that Christ is praying for you in this priestly prayer. He's praying for each one of us. And with his worldview, where he's talking about the glory, which for him means the cross, John's glory means the cross, not the celebrity fame that we might think it means. It's a very different view of the world that Jesus has. And his view of the world is that the world is in active rebellion against God. Yet, still, 
Still he says, flock of Walcott, you are safe. You're safe. That's good to hear that, isn't it? And he's praying for you to be kept safe in the world. And he's praying that you will make a difference, that you will reveal in some way how we were meant to begin at the very beginning in relationship with God, who has revealed himself, who is not good at hide and seek, who wants to be found, who wants to be seen so much he came in Christ. How will you take that out this week? Because the final word is you are sent. You, you are sent, I am sent. Not to run away from the world, but to run into it with light, with hope, with grace, and with the word of truth that is Christ. It's gonna be an exciting journey on communication for five weeks, and then we're doing leaving, and then we're doing Ruth. You're doing Ruth afterwards, which would be great. And then there's Easter the season of new beginnings and resurrection. Let's stand.